0: As a parent, would you mind stating whether you think technology makes parenting easier
1: or more challenging? More challenging. Uh, More challenging because they kind of become little zombies. More challenging because, like, for instance, back in the day when I was growing up, if you were being bullied at school, you could take a break. But if you're on social media, you never get a break and it continues. So, like, with our family, we don't allow our girls to be on social media until they're 18.
2: I think both, kind of both you know it's easy to uh give them the phone and let them watch some youtube videos while you're trying to do something but you
0: know then when you try to take it away it turns into a, uh, another fit so how would you say that growing up as a child has changed versus when you were a kid versus now when your daughter uh i feel like i played outside a lot more and then how do you as a parent handle that within your
2: home um, we're, re- we're pretty restrictive with the kids. It's just something I do, but I have to balance myself. If I want them to be um, less on technology, then I have to model that myself.
0: As a parent, would you mind stating whether you think technology makes parenting easier or more
1: challenging? Oh, I think definitely more challenging. I've seen it. I have older children, and I've seen how it has changed Everything, their relationships with their peers, their relationships with uh, their family members. So it's definitely made parent's job much more challenging. We live in a culture that is saturated by technology. In fact, uh, think about the amount of technology and different innovations it's taking for any of us to listen to this podcast right now. Uh, many of you are listening to this through your smartphone. Maybe it's playing on the Bluetooth in your car or through your wiref- wireless headphones. ...as you play us on double or triple speeds, which is why I'm probably sounding like a chipmunk right now, which is great. Um, Technology is everywhere, and it has changed how we interact with the world and with each other. For families, this can be especially overwhelming. As the author of a great book, The TechWise Family, his name is Andy Crouch, as he puts it, "...when previous generations confronted the perplexing challenges of parenting and family life, they could fall back on wisdom or at least old wives' tales." That had been handed down for generations but the pace of technological change has surpassed anyone's capacity to develop enough wisdom to handle it Uh, all of us want our homes to be places where we and our children flourish but so often most of us feel out of control or a few steps behind where we're trying to play catch up uh, especially when it comes to technology so today thanks for joining us as we take a deep dive into the nuances the challenges and the opportunities that come with being a parent in the technology age. I'm Eric Torrance,
0: and I'm Greg Holmes. Well, Eric, uh, you have opened up quite a, a big topic. Um, you know, there is a lot that we can talk about with uh, regarding parenting and technology. You know, recently there was a Barna study. Uh, done that. That found eighty percent of parenting. They said eighty uh, percent of parents believe that raising children today is probably more tricky than it was hmm. when they were a child. Yeah. And that could just be perception on their part because parenting is hard. Right. But it does say something about what it feels like to be a parent. And in that study, when they drill down on why uh, technology, uh, why uh, parenting is so difficult today, sixty-five percent huh. said technology. Yeah. Yeah. For a variety of reasons, yeah. uh, which which is telling. So you you're a parent yeah. of young children. My children are older. Uh, I have a teenager and two in their twenties. Um, but you've also been a pastor for for a lot of years and you've worked with worked with a lot of families. Yeah. Uh, what would you guess? Like, what are the big the big challenges that that parents are facing right now in technology? I
1: mean, honestly, for me, it, it that quote that uh, from Andy Crouch really sums up a lot of the feeling that I I have on it, and I think a lot of parents feel too, where. Like I often get asked, um, we have two young kids. um, You know, when are you going to allow them to use whatever technology, you know, device it is, whether it's a smartphone or iPad or whatever it is, and um, especially when it comes to something that maybe in a few years they might need to use. I'm like, well, that's not the question because the question will be: there's some other device that I don't even know about that hasn't even been, you know, released to the, you know, to the culture yet that. That that will be the thing that I will have to make a split second decision on, right? And that's what it feels like because yeah. if if you ask me my feeling on a smartphone for a kid, it's like okay, we, could, my, my wife and I, we could we could talk about it and have a long term thing, but it's gonna be just the pace of change uh, is pretty daunting, right? Um, and and even when it comes to things like uh, like screen time for young kids, and and it's like there's those challenges of like. Uh, educational stuff versus entertainment stuff versus it there's just so many there's so many issues that are into it where it's not as simple or as black and white as i think i would like it to be yeah so I I think all of that combined, it just feels like this issue opens up, as you said, kind of a can of worms that is uncomfortable to dive into.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, even under a broad definition, the technology age, as we would define it, is maybe 200 years old, but even, but as we're talking about here, it's probably only about 20 years. Yeah. And so we are just, and, you know, Andy Crouch and TechWise Family, which is a great book. I'm glad you referenced that in in your opening. Um, You know, we are trying. To, we're figuring this out as we go along, and yeah. so parents like you and me, um, that we don't have a lot to fall back on, and and te- technology is changing so fast, faster than wisdom um, has a chance to sort of figure out mm-hmm. what best practices are. Mm-hmm. You know, all that kind of stuff, and so there's a lot of uh, correction, course correction. It's like, oh, we, we shouldn't be doing, you know, like that that kind of thing. You know, and I, I know for us as a, a in our family, there's a myriad of, of issues, of technology issues we've had to, to deal with. You know, there's the the obvious issue of just trying to keep the garbage out. Yeah. You know, I mean as as connected as we all are, as is as, as pervasive as the internet is it is still true that thirty percent of all web traffic is porn. Yeah. Which is crazy, like one one out of three. Mm. Um that's a huge issue. Um I think for our kids. The screen time became an alleviation of boredom, you know, um, which over time becomes a little bit of a problem when you can't handle boredom, you know. um, That there's sort of some developmental things like that. Um, I think for our family and for a lot of the families that we know, there's the whole issue not not just like like the maybe the bad stuff, but just how much how much time. You know what I mean? Like I feel like. Sometimes our family, um, and not just the kids, like me and Kelly as well. It's like we're we're sort of in this technology haze. Yeah. You know, that there's been this hostile takeover. Our screens have sort of taken over our free time, have taken over our relationships. Um but then sort of on the flip side, you know, one of my one of my daughters is an engineer. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, you know, technology just offers technology in the home offers so many opportunities to grow and advance and, and really if you're gonna go into software, engineering, like you have to keep up, you yeah. know what I mean? And you can't just sort of be locked in a cave or you know, like like that kind of stuff. And so it's it's really, really tricky. It you is. know? Um let me ask you a question here. Yeah. How how many times per day do you feel like you unlock your phone? <laughs> I don't know.
1: then this is gonna be give, depressing give when they give you the stat. I don't know, maybe uh a hundred
0: times. That's that's actually yeah it's pretty close it's actually eighty so maybe maybe you're more addicted than the average
1: or maybe I'm too harsh on myself thanks for jumping to that conclusion Greg I appreciate that
0: the average smartphone user unlocks their phone over eighty times a day wow which averages out to every twelve minutes in a sixteen hour period while we're awake wow every twelve minutes so it's like an appendage our phone is and so there's I mean it's a it's a huge issue and then you know, and I, and I, we could go all these different directions, but one other stat that I just found fascinating here real recently, there was, a, I just read a study, a, a, a poll that found um, among millennials, 21% of millennials reporting that they don't have a single friend, hmm. which is crazy because you know they have a lot of quote-unquote friends you know, on social media, a lot of, and we're so connected and we talk about how connected everybody is, but it seems like there is, there's something going on that maybe technology, um, is, is offering or, or promising some things that it's not really delivering on yeah. as far as connectivity. You know, um, a book that I read not too long ago by Sherry Turkle, uh, reclaiming, uh, conversation. She, she is a professor at MIT, you know, definitely not a, uh, a laggard when it comes to technology. Right. You know, she was on the cover of Wired Magazine in 1996 talking about all the, you know, the potential of connectivity through technology, and then through 20 years of study is sort of rewriting a lot of that stuff and saying, you know, that, that technology is taking us places we may not want to go yeah. and is turning us into people we may not want to be. Um, but she says in her book that we all have to live in a technological world, but remember what we know about life, that life teaches us that presence matters. Mm. Um, and so she's, you know, she's kind of saying that we act like 20 years of technology has sort of fundamentally altered thousands of years of human rela- what, what human relationships have taught us. Yeah. And it hasn't. Yeah. Like humans still sort of operate the same way that, you know, that, that, and so it, it's just really, um, it, it's a challenging time to well, be a parent.
1: I, and I do, I do think what is interesting I and mean, we've, we Amy and I have faced this as parents is that right now I, I don't know if how active of a strategy I necessarily take, you know? Yeah. It's almost like you either get really intense about it or you kind of just these things start to be done to you. And right. I know that sounds like that you sounds like a cop out, but yeah. it, it's what we feel like where we're trying we're trying our best, but then you're like, Okay, honestly, like the you know, it just all of a sudden technology gets introduced and I'm like, I don't even know where we made a decision to do that or introduce that technology. And so I think what I'm excited about today is it is a worthwhile conversation that we all think we need to have, but we don't tend to actually have it right. all that often of like, okay, what what does it look like to up the intentionality yeah. of our interaction with these devices and stuff? And so I'm so, excited. So yeah,
0: so this is a mixed bag and there's a, there's a lot of different directions we can go, but I am so glad that we have someone joining us uh, here in the studio who could help us think through some of these things. We've invited Dan Martin to join us, uh, not because he's a technology expert, uh, but rather because he has spent so much of his adult life just investing in families and in marriages through his work with uh, Chase Oaks Church and Pure Hope Ministries and Family Matters. He's also a father of three great kids, so he has a lot of experience in that. And so... There are so many different aspects of technology, Eric, that you and I could focus on. But today, we want to talk about specifically technology and the family. Yeah. And so, I'm just really excited to bring Dan Martin into this conversation. And so, Dan, uh, thanks for joining us.
2: Absolutely, thanks for having me. What a privilege it's been just to be a part of this conversation to hear you guys talking about it. So, thanks for having me. Okay, so Dan, as we as we start this conversation, I
1: think I think just overall, and you've gotten to have uh, you've gotten to do lots of talks and interact with lots of people, and read the the latest research on on this really complicated topic. And so, I think before we like get into the specifics, I, I just want to make sure, like, I'm thinking as best as I can about um, this challenge, this opportunity of technology, because it, it, I would suspect that there are some unhelpful approaches that you have seen. Um, parents uh, take or families take when they 're trying to interact with technology, so help us just understand maybe what are some of those unhelpful approaches or uh, help us think what what is a better way for us to approach this uh, this challenge
2: yeah, and um, you know for me it it starts with um, looking at the Bible, looking at what does the bible have to teach us about this and and i love the relevancy of scripture because it seems like no matter what the problem is we can always turn to scripture and there's there's a foundation for us to kind of begin with and and so when i start talking about technology i always start there because the bible talks about technology and there's a verse that i often talk about it's in second john verse 12 and this is John writing to um, the churches throughout the, the region that he was in. And he says, having many things to write to you, I do not wish to do so with paper and ink, in, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face that our joy may be complete. And when you think about um, the technology, just the topic of technology, technology has always existed uh, maybe it was the invention of the shovel, right you know right. to to make life easier yeah. for people to dig a hole um, for John and the writers of the Bible, the writers of the New Testament, technology at that point was paper and ink, and John says here that he he wants to to He wants to tell them something, but he doesn't want to do it with technology. He wants to do it face-to-face so that their joy can be complete. And I think that's a great starting place for us is just God designed us to be in face-to-face community. Mm -hmm. Not not that technology is a bad thing because technology can be a supplement. In fact, I'm so thankful for the technology of John's day when he wrote that, because we have the scriptures because yeah. of his the technology of the day. And we wouldn't have that had he not had that. They weren't doing podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, so technology is a great thing, but it's not the best thing. And that's what John points out here. And I think as a parent, a starting point is face-to-face connection, face-to-face relationship should be the primary way that we communicate yeah. and and what we're teaching our kids. And so from... A starting point. I think that's a great place to begin. That's just fascinating how 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 that dovetails
0: just with a quote from Sherry Turkle that I gave just a minute ago, and she's coming at it from an MIT, you know, perspective saying after 20 years of sort of researching this, uh, we were designed for face to face after all, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, it's, it's, it sounds like a blinding flash of the obvious, you know what I mean? But it really isn't right. when you're talking about how easy it is now to communicate with in, in other ways.
2: Yeah. And Eric, uh, you're going back to your question, just what are some of the, the mistakes or, or approaches that parents take that may get them offline? And I think it's, it's, like anything else, it's probably the two extremes. Hmm. It's either an over, um, emphasis and an overly protective approach that families take that can get them off course, or it's the opposite. It's the, the, you know, uh, kind of a blind approach of whatever, whatever happens, you know, just, Hey, give the kid, um, an iPad and put some headphones on and take the next five hours to, to play you know with the iPad and and so i think both approaches are are get us off base and i think finding a balance finding a strategy for for parents that kind of balances those two things yes we have to we have to be engaged but we don't want to be so overly engaged that our kids aren't learning to navigate this on their own yeah. and so there's there is a balance there and certainly that changes from a 2-year-old to a 20-year-old um, that, that balance changes. And just that even the idea that that sometimes we, just like we do this with the word like media
1: and the media, when it's like there's lots of different media, I mean yeah. that's that's just a word that is neither good nor bad, there's just there's, there's it's just a word. Technology kind of gets that same rap too where we start to talk about technology and it's bad or I can't believe all, you know and you're like, there's a lot of, technology has a purpose, it's just a question of how we're yeah. using that and I do think it is easy for us to get into one extreme or the other where it's like technology is all bad and we just need to reject it. Um, whereas, you know, obviously like, hey, when we go to the hospital, like technology is pretty good. Like there's mm-hmm. stuff that we we like with that. Um, but I think on the other hand, just to embrace every technological innovation as if it will enhance our life is a bad approach
2: as well. Um, yeah, and I'll mention another book. Um, John Dyer wrote a book um, several years ago called From the Garden to the City, and he explores the theology of technology. And he makes that very point in that book where he talks about technology is is neither good nor bad. It's how we use it, mm-hmm. right? It's It's like any other good gift that God gives us that we can make an idol of it and we can abuse it and overuse it. Um, or we can use it for good as God intended it to be. And that's the way that I look at technology. John uses, in fact, I've already referenced uh, one of the analogies he's, he used. Um, he talked about the shovel, mm-hmm. and he talks about the, the invention of the shovel. And, and that, was, that was technology of that day thousands of years ago. And that could be used for good, and it could be used for bad. He, he mentions in that book, he says, hey, I can use a shovel to dig a foundation for an orphanage. And that's a really good thing. Or I could use the shovel where I don't like something Eric says about me, and I could bop him over the head with it. Use it it as a weapon. Yeah, Yeah. and use it as a weapon. And so the shovel itself is not bad. It's how we use it. And I think that's a a healthy approach to how we go about looking at technology and thinking about it, especially when it comes to teaching our kids good stewardship of technology. And that's a term I use a lot because I do think is – parents in the digital age, uh, one of our primary responsibilities as parents is to teach them to steward technology well. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I'm kind of hearing you
0: saying, and and you could lump technology in with a lot of other categories of parenting, that um, it just takes... One of the driving things we need as parents is just intentionality. Yeah. And we need a bit of a plan. We need, And we're going to make mistakes, but, you know, we can't bury our head in the sand. And we also can't build walls. We can't put our kids in a barrel, you know, or whatever. But intentionality for the end goal of their independence. Yeah. You know, so yeah. that, that it is changing over time. You know, so intentionality that says we're going to just completely, you know, uh, not engage in technology at all that might actually work okay when it's a young kid or whatever but it's not going to work okay for a 15 year old or 16 year right. old who wants to be an engineer or you know or whatever you know so or just wants to be relevant in the world and and engaged and you know all that kind of stuff and so when you when you combine our goal of creating someone who's independent and thinking for themselves and able to navigate this world with our with our goal of also protecting our kids then it becomes something that that, that feels a little fluid you know, and it feels like maybe over time we have to reassess this. We have to keep learning ourselves, like all yeah. of that kind of stuff. And so I'm excited here in this next segment. We're going to jump into just some really practical strategies, maybe some things that you've learned, some things that you've taught others, um, just to try and not go to either one of those extremes, you know, and, and, and just be real intentional with our kids. So let's take a, a real short break and then let's uh, get specific.
1: Well, welcome back, and uh, we're here with Dan Martin, and we're, we're talking about a big topic of technology, and, and sometimes it's easy to talk in generalities, uh, but I think, Dan, what you're so helpful with is helping us actually get into some specifics, because I think parents, even with what our last segment was at, my, my hunch would be that a lot of parents would agree uh, off the top of their head, be like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I do want to be more intentional at my home. Um, even some of the stuff, Greg, I think you had brought this up as well, of Hey, this isn't just a kid problem. This is a me problem, a parent mm-hmm. problem, that uh, is is hard. Because if we have a strategy, um, we have to be a part of that strategy too, um, which is which is challenging. Because there's stuff where I'm like, well, I want my kids to be interacting in a healthy way with technology, but when I actually pull open the the you know the kind of the window on my own interaction, even the Clicking on it a hundred times a day yeah, on my phone, right. it's like okay, I have some work to do here too. And so, as you talk about this with families, um, you—I've heard you time and time again use three words, um, and then you have like a strategy around those three words. But you use the words protect, model, and equip. Talk to us yeah. a little bit about that, and how does that shape? Like, how does that shape a strategy that that maybe? we should start to think about for our own homes.
2: Yeah. Um let me go back real quick. Something you said sparked this in me. One of the one of the questions that I'm always surprised I get, but I get all the time when I talk about this uh, and in churches and schools and in different places with groups of parents, is is there somebody I can hire to take care of this? Like, is wow, there, yeah, it, it is, and it always shocks me. Is there somebody that I can outsource this to, who can come in and like set up all these things in my home mm. that um, can take care of this for me? And it 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 shocks me, but yet it doesn't because we are a world that outsources everything. I mean, we outsource our kids sports you know we we send them to specialists who come in and train them and we do all this this outsourcing especially in in the culture that we live in that is a a common thing so just what you're saying yeah when i when i talk to parents um about this it's about creating a strategy in your home yeah. not a, a strategy for your kids yeah and and that's a very different approach Um, I think most parents are taking the approach of, I've got to set this up for my kids. I need to be thinking about this wisely for my kids. And the truth is, we need to be thinking wisely about this for all of us. Because as you mentioned, Greg, we we don't have history to go on. Like, I I think of my iPhone. You know, 12 years ago, the iPhone came out for the first time. My oldest son was 15 years old. My youngest was 11 when the iPhone came out. And uh, just thinking through that, we didn't know what the iPhone was capable. I had no clue. And we were making big decisions that would impact our kids' rest of their lives. And so some of the strategy that I share, that I'm going to share here, came from just my wife and I trying to navigate that 12 years ago uh, with the introduction of the the smartphone.
0: And I would imagine, too, the the folks that are asking, could I I don't know for sure, but the folks who are asking, could I just hire to outsource this?" They're probably just talking about that one category of how to protect my yes. kids from from content, yeah. um, and not really addressing maybe what they maybe what their kids are seeing in them, because you know. I you know, this makes me feel really guilty. But I heard one speaker say, "You know, as the iPhone came out 12 years ago, there's a whole generation of children that have learned how to compete with a telephone, mm-hmm. to compete with a smartphone for their parents' attention." Yeah. Huh. You know what I mean? It's yes. like that's a whole nother issue. Yep. And so when you talk about how do we do this as a family, it's not just about content control, although content control is one it's of part them, of it. Yes. It's part of it, but th- it, this is a bigger issue. It's yeah? a holistic
1: thing of where there's there's those different aspects, but also holistic in the sense where it involves us too, right. which yeah. is right. which is why this the even the the title uh, of like the topic of this being families i think we automatically uh, jump to kids and technology and right. you're like well actually i'm i'm a part of my family too yeah, <laughs> and right. I, you know i'm supposed to be yeah. and and so I, that's why i like how you talk about the home because it's like well we we all like we live i live in my home uh, just as my kids do too which means there right. needs to be uh this this applies to
2: me too yeah mm-hmm. yeah and i've seen a statistic somewhere that 80% of learning is by observing and so the the whole idea of this strategy being wrapped around protect model and equip those three things uh, so much of what our kids learn so much of what they're going to take out into the world with them is, is going to be what they observed in their home not necessarily what they were told but what they saw their parents doing and how they interacted with their parents and so the protect, model, equip approach really is, at times, we're going to be heavily protect in protect mode. I mean, when our kids are young, um, I say this to parents all the time, is we want to delay that content that they're going to be exposed to as long as we can. But we also have to understand we're not going to be able to protect our kids from inappropriate content, Greg, as you were saying, you know, one third of all web traffic is porn. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not going to be able to protect our kids from that. Now we can delay that by protecting and, and doing things. And um, a six-year-old seeing porn versus a 13-year-old seeing porn has a very different impact on their development as a child. And right. so we're heavy in protection mode when our kids are young. And that's a good thing. Yeah. But a lot of parents stay there yeah um I one of I'll never forget an interaction with a woman one time who was going through this technology uh, talk that I was giving giving this strategy, and she raised her hand at the end. We were doing a and A time, and she said, and it, and it wasn't a question. she was making a very bold statement, and she said, "My husband and I have decided that we're not going to give our kids a smartphone. that's going to be our technology approach." And I remember thinking in that moment, those poor kids. Yeah. Like I really felt bad for those kids. And 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 what I said to her was, just understand that's a decision that you could mm-hmm. make, right? We could we could go off grid, move to Montana, and protect our kids from everything, right. uh, or so to speak. And right. then you got to worry about other things. But anyway, um, the the approach there is is really not a good approach, because if we stop at just protecting from, we fail to equip for, mm. because our kids are going to go out into the world. They those kid, Her kids that she was talking about are going to leave her home one day, and the world that they live in is going to require them to use technology. Mm. And so what she and her husband, by just focusing on the protection piece, are failing to do is failing to equip their kids for the world that they'll be in, hmm. and that's such a great opportunity and approach for us as parents is to think about this in the sense of am I equipping my kids for that time when they leave home? Are they ready yeah and um so and it's like
1: are they are they using the time at your home where you have a um, a semi protected or protected environment like a, a greenhouse so to speak to to learn, to fail, uh, yeah. to have someone to bounce those that, that – you've talked about this before in lots of areas where it's like, hey, that, that time before they are released out where there's less control is an equipping time yeah. that you either take advantage of or you don't.
2: Yeah, and protection can be a very good thing and a very bad thing. If I'm protecting my kids from going out in the street and playing in the street, that's a really good thing. If I'm protecting my kids from the consequence of – not turning their homework in on time. That's a I'm, and I'm I'm protecting them from the consequences of that. That's not a good protection thing. Like yeah. even allowing our kids to suffer consequences when it comes to technology too, um, and to do that in our home in an environment where we're able to speak into that, where we're able to give them some guidance and wisdom, and let's not do that again. Kind of kind of way in a, a, an instructive way. That's that's what I mean by equipping. Sometimes equipping is allowing consequences into our yeah. kids' lives. Hmm. The other thing that we've got to recognize as parents, I think, especially today, is knowing. I, I don't, I'm not a stats guy. I don't like this all the statistics, and because you can play those either way. But all the statistics that I've seen about pornography, I let's just say every one of your kids is going to see porn and they're probably going to see it before the age of 12. Mm -hmm. Um, if stats, if we can follow stats. So rather than protecting my kids only thinking I need to protect my kids from seeing porn, that's a good thing. Um, I also need to be preparing them for and equipping them for when they see porn. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking to my, as I'm talking to my kids, okay, this, five-year-old or six-year-old is probably going to see porn. They're probably going to see it in the next five, six, yeah. seven years. When they see it, what what can I equip them to do? Mm, what can I good. equip them to do? And that's where you know everything's going to fall back to this. It goes back to the relationship. Have I created a relationship with my kids that gives them the freedom, the comfort to come to me and say, hey, dad, I just saw pictures of people without their clothes on on my ipad right you know and that's a that's a win for yeah. parents which wow. there,
1: which there's a lot of that that um we if we don't see that as our role uh, of you know like even what you were just saying about being the kind of parent where when a child sees something that they would come to you that that is not a uh, developed overnight kind of relationship and there's a part where we probably um without thinking about it, push away from being that kind of person to our child, whether, um, it's the initial, and I think you've talked about this before of like the initial reaction, um, to, to child. like if, if we, if, if there's any hint of shame, any hint of, of, oh, this is so dirty. We don't talk about this here that, um, in in a sense, what I hear you saying is that we are, um, we are giving up our ability to be that equipping person in that child's life, which means we have to we probably need to be thinking about that right now, um, especially like me. This is convicting to say, I need to be thinking about this right now of of what would my response be um, when my child comes? And that's the key word is when. Yeah. Because right. it's going to happen. It is. Um, and so – and I don't think I've thought about it to that degree. Uh, I am in that protect mode, but there's like, hey, that, that moment will happen, which means my initial reaction will probably not be healthy. So I probably need to put time into it now, um, to talk about it as a family. Like, hey, how are we gonna respond? Right.
2: Yeah, and and um not to not to say women do this worse than men or, or whatever, but I think the reaction between mom discovering that and dad discovering it can be different. And a lot of and what I mean by that is, you know, a dad let's say a twelve year old sees porn and a dad's thinking, Yeah, that's about how old I was when right. I saw porn, <laughs> right. you know, and and Um, the reaction tends to be less for a mom that can just be overwhelming. It can be, it can be my baby, my innocent little flower, you know, or whatever. Um, And, and again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that's a, that's a bad thing, but it's just a reaction thing. And if we're not ready for that, we can overreact, which the result of overreacting to that kind of a, a traumatic event is shame and mm-hmm. what happens is we 're piling shame upon the child because of our reaction to it that that 's one thing and the the second thing is, well, I guess mom and dad aren 't a safe place to confess these things yeah. you know yeah. if we overreact and um, I remember, and this is not a technology thing, um, but my son in third grade came home from school one day and just said dad what 's oral sex huh. you know and i I think what I was thinking in my mind at that time is. What would my dad have done yeah. if I'd have said that? You know, I probably You're would thinking, have been... what kind
0: of school are you going to like <laughs> exactly. yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. But I you know, it would have been soap in the mouth and uh, don't right. you ever say yeah. that. You know, and yeah. not because my dad wasn't a great guy. My dad was a great guy, but he wouldn't have known. Yeah. You know, that would have been that would have been crazy to happen. But I remember him in third grade coming home and asking that and, and it really knocked me like off balance big time. In fact, I said to him, I said, hey, can you give me just a minute? I mean, I had to, I literally had physically had to take myself out of that situation. And I'm praying in that moment. I came back to him and I'm so thankful that these words came to me. I said, thank you to him. I said, thank you for asking me that. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, thank you for not Googling that, you know, (laughs) or thank you for not asking someone else at school what that was. You came to me and asked me that. And so I thanked him. And so I think, you know, just going back to the the pornography thing, a child comes to you they they they've seen porn, they tell you about it. Chalk it up as a win number 1. Mm-hmm. They've told you about it and number 2, thank them for telling you. Hey, I'm so proud of you for letting me know that. Um let's figure that out. Tell me what you right. saw, you know, let let's let's walk through it. And then They go to bed later, and I'm doing everything. I'm staying up all night, and I'm changing routers, and I'm changing software. You know, I'm trying to do everything I can so that doesn't happen again. So, So,
0: no, go
1: ahead, Eric. Yeah. So, um, you have we've hit a lot of these um, already, um, but you you have a great, and I I think we're going to try to link to some of this up on on the page two podcast. Uh, website, So there's a lot of this that we just won't have time to get into today. But you have like five strategies. I'm going to read them out real quick yeah. and then see if there's any that you want to like just take a minute to drill into one or two of these in particular. But when you think of like the protect model and equip, you talk about, hey, there's a one thing is we need to educate ourselves. And, and you, t- you were talking about that, asking our kids about different uh, apps and devices and trends and research, and, and really, like, hey, that's on us that we need to do this. We need to educate ourselves. We need to protect where we can uh, at the router level, the software level, uh, device monitoring, filtering, and all that. Uh, managing screen time um, from just how often we're all using it and setting boundaries and involving our kids. Uh, scheduling rest. Um, at, you know, Sabbath and curfews and uh, even times where families like, hey, this is just not a time for technology and equipping to thrive, having an open dialogue and all that. So I, I know I just kind of did a blitz through it. I, what are those that like, hey, is there one or two of those that you just want to drill into uh, just say, hey, th- I've, I think this is particularly helpful or one that we maybe haven't covered quite yet uh, in here?
2: Yeah, the, that first one is first for a reason, the educate yourself is because I, I know it's easy. As a parent, I, and again, I, I wrote these five strategies based on my own, yeah. <laughs> my own experiences as a parent, beginning, but also thinking, "Hey, other parents are going through this too." Um, the educate yourself was it is it is irresponsible for me not to try to keep up with what's going on as a parent. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't mean I'm going to understand technology the way my kids understand it. I'm not going to know the apps. And, and know how things work like they do. But that doesn't let me off the hook. I've got to stay up with technology. And I'll give you just a quick example of that. When Snapchat first came out, um, my kids were teenagers. And all I read and all I saw about Snapchat was, you can't let your kids on Snapchat. Like, it's mm-hmm. horrible. And I was thinking to myself, well, that's not, you know that's not a good approach. And so I put Snapchat on my phone. And my daughter, who was an older teenager at that time, um, I put it on her phone. And I said, let's learn this. To get, will you teach me how to use this? And she's like, I can have Snapchat? And I'm like, yeah, but you have to teach me how to do it, you know? Yeah. And so we talked about it together. We had Snapchat on our phones together, and we were Snapchatting, you know? And um, that was just an approach of I could either protect her from that by, hey, you can never have this app, or I could learn from her, but I could also engage her in conversation. The The hidden agenda in that was we're friends on Snapchat. I can see what you're doing kind of thing, right. even though not completely. right? But it was just an approach of – I want to really equip her for this.
1: And I think there's something, too, that that's just a – like, we talk about this a lot just as a church as well of, like, being really careful of not critiquing things before we understand them. Yeah. Right. And and that we all have a bad habit of doing that um, and and really trying to say, okay, what is the appeal of this? And and before we go from a – these are the top ten apps that you shouldn't have on your phone, and like just and just jumping to conclusions. I think what you modeled there in a cool way, which was like, yeah, hey, I just want to understand this first right. and and trying to put not not just even assuming that its intentions are all bad, um because we just so. Often do that, yeah. and we just that that pushes people away uh, when they're like, "No, you're not. You're not understanding this right. I'm not trying
2: to use it for what you think I'm using it right. for." Right. Well, and also, I think there are times where an unin- unintended consequence of some of our overreaction to even things like that are to create curiosity in our kids. Mm, right. Is like all of a sudden, like if we hadn't done that, uh, and I had said, "Hey, you can never have this app on your phone," human nature is. Well, well, wonder now what, I got it. Yeah, the, I wonder no, what that no, app's the like the forbidden fruit yeah, must be tasted. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so part of it was, you know, just to to take this yeah. that to take that out of the equation and, and to dive into that together. And there were other apps that would come out and one of the advantages that I had with my kids as teenagers is I was doing this. You know, this is the kind of thing. And so I would I would say, Hey, I'm trying to I'm doing this talk on Snapchat next week. Can mm-hmm. you help me? with this or help me understand this. So I would use that as well. But, but again, going back to, um, the, the whole idea of protect equip model is I, that doesn't mean they can have every app there. There is a top 10 don't have these apps, you know, that does exist. And we don't know that if we're not educating ourselves, we're not, we don't know that if we're not trying to stay up. And I hear all the time, Hey, my kids are so far advanced technology, technologically from where I am, um, I I just can't keep up. And the answer is you're right, but you have to try. Yeah.
0: Right. And there's a realization that, like, this is, as you were saying before, like with a a young kid and you can be, you could really lock down the protection, you know, that kind of stuff. But by the time they're 12 or 13, they know more about this than you do and they can get around your your stuff if they want to. Absolutely. And so- you know, even harking harkening back to my years as a student ministry pastor, and this is before all the iPhone and all this kind of stuff. You know, it was helpful with with whatever the issue was. The shovel, yeah, yeah the, the shovel. Yeah. This fact, this, whatever <laughs> the issue was, I'd be talking with parents. Like you, you know, if 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 you start with a five year old and you're or a seven year old and you're thinking in the next ten years when they're seventeen, and the goal when they're seventeen is you want them making these decisions on their own. You can say okay i 've got ten years. What is the progression going to look like yeah. we 're going to really lock it down here what 's it going to look like two years from now or mm-hmm. three years from now And that has to be something that I can need to be intentional so that with technology by the time they 're seventeen, a, a parent could say, and this would be you know legitimate things like by the time they 're ready to leave, they need to have their own their, their own Apple ID, their, their own ability to get their own apps, yep. their own, because we've been building conversation. We've been learning, you know, like all that kind of, they know this is a safe place. They know some of the, the boundaries to stay away from. They've probably experienced some things that have made them feel a little yucky. And we've talked about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So ultimately, we want them not to get just a dump truck full of freedom, right. you know what I mean, when they can't handle it. Or what, what's probably happening is that they have way more freedom than we think they do, because in our home, because they're just getting around our defenses, and they have right. they have access to other people's phones, and they have you know like all that kind of stuff, and they're and all that's happening just sort of on the side, and we think you know what I mean, and so what I love what you're talking about is just not not burying our head being being. Being the mama bear, protective person when when you need to, but ultimately like that has to shift, and yeah. we're we're trying to make adults. Yeah. you know what I mean. We're not. Yeah.
2: The other thing I would say, Greg, and uh, absolutely, that's a great point. Just understand that there is a cost to not doing that. There's a cost to being overprotective, and um, there are unintended. Co- the 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 intention is, I have my kid's best interests in mind, but there's an unintended consequence that happens when we do that and uh we just have to be aware of that and i just think eric back to your point about being intentional be that's part of being intentional i'm going to intentionally not be overprotective in this area as my kids are getting older
0: as you have um thought about some of those other categories too on on model and equip what are do you have any other just practical things yeah um, not just sort of on the protect side but yeah. just on how to how to think about this and you know, that kind of stuff
2: yeah the the fourth point in this five point strategy is scheduling rest hmm. um, and that again this is a home strategy this isn't a kid strategy um, when I wrote this eight years ago or whatever it was when I first came out with this um, it probably wasn't as per- pervasive as it is now. But our kids are using screens all day long in school. Yeah. And and we are as well at work. I mean, we are on screens all the time. And part of it is an obligation. Mm. Our kids have to be on screens at school and we have to be on screens at work. And so just keeping in mind the, the whole idea of, of, of giving yourself, your family a break, um, scheduling, and I say this scheduling, that's the intentional part of this. If we don't schedule rest, we won't do it. Yeah. Um, if I don't schedule rest in my calendar and block things out, I won't do it. I have to schedule that. And so we have to do that for our kids. And there, there's another kind of hot topic around parenting, and that is cyberbullying. You know, mm-hmm. porn is a big issue. Cyberbullying is the other. Think about this for a minute. You know, when I was a kid, um, back in the shovel days, um, <laughs> when I was a kid, w- if bully, bullying was happening, yeah. it, it wasn't like, like I was bullied at school. There was bullying happening all the time. But it was from 8 in the morning till 3 in the afternoon. And then I went home. And if you wanted to bu- bully me at home, you had to call my house. You had to go through my mom. Yeah. And if my mom gave you permission, you could bully me. Right. You know, I mean, it, there, there was this story. But I had rest from that. I had rest from three in the afternoon till eight o'clock the next morning, or whatever it was. Now, our kids are coming home from school, and if we're not scheduling rest, if we're not giving them a break from some of this, they are being subjected to bullying online 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Hmm. Um, so, part of the rest is not just my eyes need a rest, you know, I need to have face to face conversation. Part of it is protection, part of yeah. it is getting them out of that world for a period of time. Yeah. And so by scheduling that, you know, by by saying, "Hey, we're going to we're going to have no technology for whatever it is, you know, 2 hours after school or right. or something." Like just, "Hey, you've been on screens all day. We're going to this is going to be a tech-free period and we're just going to have that free and and dinner time and and bedtime." Yeah. One of the things in that scheduling rest that we practiced as a family that I usually get eye rolls from parents is that we didn't, we said no screens in bedrooms. Yeah. And that's a hard decision to make. And you want to talk about being an unpopular dad. Make that <laughs> yeah. decision when your kid's 14 years old, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, is when we made that decision because, because again, because of the smartphone. Yeah. yeah, for
0: so often it's the first thing you look at in the morning, the last thing. And you go to bed with your phone is a, that's a yeah, that's a whole thing, and I know. Yeah, that's that's right in line with some of the things that Andy Crouch and Techwise Family talks about. Yeah. You know, and he he advocates one one hour a day, one day a week, and one week a year. Yeah. Um, where, that are completely tech free, and even Steve Jobs famously wouldn't allow the iPhone at the dinner table. Yeah, you know, and so that tells us something. You know, that there are right. tech free zones in the home. Uh, there should be tech free hours. It's like we all just need a break. We need a break because even even the adults. Two seconds of boredom and we're just pulling out our phone and it's like we're and that goes back to the modeling thing or whatever. And it's like we we have to we have to play offense and not just completely, you know, respond. Well
1: I just want to thank you Dan uh and it is a challenging one it's like we and I think part of this is it's hard not to approach this topic with some some sense of guilt and even some shame to be like hey those are some great ideas oh man we don't do that here as a family yet I don't do the hey full disclosure I go to bed and my phone is right next to me and yeah. in the morning it's right there and I know in the heart of hearts that like oh, that's not great. And yet it's there. And so it's like, it's a journey that I think all of us, like, we're all trying to get this right. We all have, you know, steps to take. But I think just hearing you talk and our discussion, it's cool to see that I, I think just if we, if we take just some steps of intentionality and just get started in some ways. And and that's what I even liked. I was thinking of the TechWise family, uh, uh, kind of his benchmark of one hour a day, one day a week, one week a year as just a, like, okay, there's, yeah, some of that seems overwhelming to me, but some of that I'm like, oh, I can do that, you know, and and so I I'm just grateful for this conversation because I think all of us can say, hey, there m- there might be a step and let's just think about it and we're not going to be perfect overnight, but we are we're all trying to learn this and all trying to move forward with it too.
0: Yeah, and right before we close here, Dan, I want to and you've talked to enough families to know this. When, and when I when I've talked to families about technology, I I don't get a lot of response of people saying, "Yeah, we're we're knocking it out of the park." Yeah. <laughs> like most yeah. most family, this is guilt producing. Absolutely, you know. And yep. and there's going to be families that think, "Man, this is." You know God has entrusted us with these kids, and i 'm messing them up yeah. or i 'm not protecting them or what if if I would have protected them better, maybe this bullying wouldn 't have happened you know or whatever and so there 's a lot of guilt yeah. there's, uh, we feel overwhelmed we don 't know what to do there 's a lot of shame i just I want to close maybe uh, just with, with some encouragement from you, you know what I mean? Yeah. And just you working with families and working like, what, what word would you say or like what, 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 uh, what could you give us to kind of not be too discouraged or overwhelmed um, and uh, kind of stick with it?
2: Yeah. Um, Grace. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I'm thankful for that because I think of all the mistakes that I made as a parent Probably stick with me more than oh I'm glad I made that decision like right. I I think about it and I think the enemy loves that mm-hmm. um, there's grace for that um, I think more than anything the, the modeling piece is more important than anything else mm. and that can even be um, hey I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry it wasn't more intentional about modeling
0: how to apologize yeah yeah
2: and I'm sorry I blew this and I'm sorry I did that but but the one thing I would say just kind of thinking back on on all that we've talked about you know as a dad who has kind of launched three kids out into the world um, and if I were doing it again this would kind of be my my um, my motto is I'd much rather send equipped kids out into the world than protected kids. Huh? Yeah. And, and, and the encouragement here is, Hey, we're going to blow it. We're not, let's, let's own up to that. Mm -hmm. There's grace in that from our kids and, and there's grace for us. Um, but let's just, let's just keep in mind that what we model for our kids and, is more important than anything else that we do. Mm-hmm. What we told them and, and what we do for them, uh, more than anything, let's just model good stewardship of technology for them. And so this begins with us, not with our kids. It begins with us thinking about, am I scheduling rest? Am I, am I doing some of these things? Am I on my screens too much? And um, that, yeah, I just think that's a, a, the best starting point yeah. for all of us. That's a good word. So thanks for, Dan, and just thanks for your ministry, too, because I know
1: this you just help people navigate these topics so well, and so we're just really grateful for you. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. And this concludes this episode of the Page Two Podcast. As always, we'd love to hear from you. You can comment on our website, which is page2podcast.com, or we're also on Facebook as well. Uh, we'd love to interact with you, hear uh, what you think about this topic and uh, and what you're learning and, and even uh, what you'd like to hear more from in future podcast episodes. Also, just a quick thanks to the Center of Church Renewal and David Powers for letting us use their space. Uh, We'll see you next time. Take care.